We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey there, Knicks fans. How you doing? It's your boy, John of the Macri, with you for another episode of the Knicks Film School Podcast. Yes, the Knicks Film School Podcast. That is the podcast about the one team in New York sports that things seem to be going well for at the moment. Uh, today's episode, we're going to talk to John Schmilk. Uh, John, obviously, has been a frequent guest on this pod. I don't think he's been on no since uh, before last season, unless I'm mistaken, I'm sure Andrew will correct me. Um, but he's he's been on a bunch and he's great. He used to have um, a Knicks podcast of his own, but um, now focuses exclusively on another team here in New York, uh, the New York football giants. We will talk to him a little bit about that in addition to some Knicks talk, obviously. Uh, the giants, giants not doing so hot uh, after one week. Uh, they lost by many points, and they scored very few points. In fact, I think they scored the fewest amount of points that you are able to score in a professional game of any kind, at least not the professional games that I'm aware of. I will have to ask him, if, or maybe anyone out there who knows if there are such sports that allow you to go into the red for particularly poor performance. Speaking of in the red... If there is one fan base, I mean, look, I, I, this is like a Joe Beningo conversation. Th- th- I think there are several teams, including the one that we podcast about here at Knicks Film School, that have an argument for existing perpetually in, in the red, in, in the blood red, as it were, uh, over the majority of their history. But, but there is there is something something special about the team that they used to practice at Hofstra and and then they don't do that anymore. I don't even know where they practice now. Um, But, you know, a lot of hype, a lot of excitement and Hey, they're one and Oh, so that's great. That's fun. Right. That's awesome. Um, But I feel like maybe that is not the lead story uh, this week. And so to, to, to give you some full unbiased, 
completely devoid of emotion analysis. Oh, Jesus Christ. Andrew Claudio, GMAC. Or the man that used to be known as GMAC. I think I know this song. <laughs> so Andrew Claudio. Thank you, boys. Andrew, I am a bit afraid to ask, but I will ask anyway because I'm your friend and I love you and I care about you. How you doing? Hey there, Jets fans. <laughs> How you doing? <laughs> um, can I can I answer that question with a question? You you absolutely can. Why? <laughs> Just why do we care? Why why do we watch sports? Why do we enjoy sports? Why do we invest any any emotion into any of this? Like the, Aaron Rodgers doesn't know me. He's kind of a weirdo, and I know a lot of people are are getting their jokes off at his expense, and it's fair game. Um, I know there's a lot of people that hate the Jets and, you know, Woody Johnson and mm-hmm. uh, a lot of the hype that the Jets got. But then there's this fan base that has not made the playoffs since 2011, the longest drought in professional sports, has mm-hmm. not like seen a, a legitimate franchise quarterback, respect to Chad Pennington and kind of Mark Sanchez. Uh, they haven't seen a franchise quarterback since Joe Namath. Um, Ken O'Brien, no. Not Ken that. O'Brien. Like, like, but that's it. Like, it's like, could have had Dan Marino. No, we got Ken O'Brien. He was fine. Just he wasn't Dan Marino. No. You know, Namath sold his soul to to pull off a big upset in, episode, in Super Bowl three, And they've been paying for it ever since. You know, I was at MetLife Stadium last night, as many people know. And I got there early to tailgate. And it really felt like a festival atmosphere. Like we were getting ready for the greatest concert ever. Mm. And against my better judgment throughout this entire time, I hinted at it with you and CP and and with Alex that like, I'm trying to be reserved about this, but a lot of football people I trust are saying this team is good. A lot of pundits are saying this team can win a Super Bowl. A lot of Jets. Yes. Were Sorry. good enough to win a Super Bowl. I'm not there yet. But the ouch. Correct. Yes, but a lot of people that I trusted um, were leading me to get excited. And then I tuned in for hard knocks. And then it was every smart Jets fan that I talked to that's like, I know that we have this, as you well know, PTSD because of what this franchise has put us through. But this is legit. This team is legitimate. And then you get this quarterback at a bargain in my opinion, a bargain where it's moving back two spots in the draft. And then it's a conditional second round pick that becomes a first. If he plays 65% of his snaps, which they, which he won't now, by the so, way. So, wait, I want to stay on that for a second because the, so like this is the NFL. You could get a guy who just won two MVPs a few years ago for, as you just said, a conditional second round pick. It doesn't work that way in the NBA. The Knicks trade for Giannis Antetokounmpo tomorrow. They're giving up their entire draft. And if Giannis Antetokounmpo suffers a, a massive, you know, career threatening leg injury, a little bit of a different situation because he's younger, but like still, there's a lot more buyers or more. It's like, oh my God, we spent all of our assets and now we have nothing to show for it. Doesn't it make it at least a little bit easier? Because you're, it's like, you know, you didn't give up much. So it's like no harm, no foul. See, here's the problem. 
you'd think that it's like, you know, because the cost wasn't that much yeah. that you didn't take too many steps back. But here's the problem. All of the delusion that people were saying Jets fans had and all of the hype that people had for the Jets and what you saw in Hard Knocks and all the projections that people mm -hmm. made, it showed true. Like, if you're making fun of a Jets fan today because they were excited about this team, yeah. we were right. Did yeah. you see that team last night? Their They're running good. game looked outstanding, even though you knew they were running the ball. They have a stud at wide receiver in Garrett Wilson that would be in the conversation with Tyree Kill and Justin Jefferson if the, he had a quarterback throwing to him more consistency, consistently and more accurately. Their defense is Super Bowl good. They made Josh Allen look like Mark Sanchez last <laughs> night. And I say that respectfully, okay? Because Mark Sanchez did some winning here with the Jets. Four turnovers, five sacks. He was on the run all night. They made him, a guy who I think is a lead, look so human last night. And then they find this weapon in special teams that runs back the punt return in overtime to win the game. So they're better than we expected. And it's not even, it's exactly what we saw last year, but now it's even worse because we're just a quarterback away. And we're four snaps into this season on this, my goodness, this MetLife turf, replace it with grass, please. MetLife people. I'm, I'm sorry. It's getting annoying that you keep losing these stars to this, to this turf, but I digress. Um, all the hype was justified. Everything we thought about this team was correct. So, I thought this was Super Bowl good. And here's, here's why the, 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 there is harm to the foul, John. Yes. That's gone. Like, oh. you're right to say past tense were. Like, there's no Super Bowl in the future unless, like, yeah. something... Uh, John, there's no... Uh, Jack Wilson's not leading this team to a Super Bowl. Like, the move of the century is going to have to happen. Or the, the upgrade or the, the development of the century is going to have to happen. But the well, framing of this season now changes because we went for, for two hours in that festival atmosphere I was talking about, people chanting those four letters because apparently as Jets fans, we only know how to spell four letter words. Okay. <laughs> uh, all the way up to the upper deck where I was sitting to the pandemonium in the pregame intros. And, and this is like, and I, I know I'm monolog monologuing a bit, but I've had this. Okay, get it all out. Like the spirit of the pregame intro and a lot of the jets marketing material over the last month has been. And like, I follow this a lot in life too. Like, you went through that so you could experience this. Like you've gone through like the butt fumble and like being dominated by the Patriots yeah. and Victor Cruz, 99 yeah. yards and week 17 against the bills in 2015 and Adam Gase and Sam Darnold and last season of Zach Wilson, you went through all of that. So you can enjoy this and that this feeling lasted four snaps. So his career may start and end as a New York jet. Cause I have no clue what a 39 year old quarterback is going to be able to do off a toward Achilles. It may start and end zero for one, no yards. So that comp you just, or that the way you just phrased it, right? We went through that to get to this. Yeah. Cause I'm trying to sit here trying to think of Nick's comps. And like it does bring to mind a little bit of the Kevin Durant torn Achilles because there is a subset of mm. Nick fans I think who believe he was coming here had it not been for that torn Achilles and 
because he tore the Achilles, he decided for whatever reason that he wasn't going to come to the Knicks and instead go to Brooklyn. I personally don't subscribe to that, so I, I don't think it's a it's a perfect analogy. But it's just the the fact that the Knicks have been you know a seventeen win team before, the year before that. I think the only comp, and obviously this is not has not happened, in, and I'm almost certain will never happen, would be like if. LeBron James came here for the final year of his career to, to the Knicks. Mm. And within the first week of his his career as a Nick, he, you know, blew out his knee or something. And then that was that, you know? Um, and like similar to Rodgers, I imagine if the Knicks either the Knicks would either sign LeBron outright or they wouldn't have to give up very much in a trade for him because the you know, Lakers and probably I imagine would be happy to accommodate. That to me is the only comp because I don't think there's ever been anything like this in Knicks history. Can I add some salt to that wound? What if sure? What if LeBron came here and you kept RJ and the, the this entire season was marketed uh, as like you know RJ Barrett who struggled at times throughout his first three years but shown signs the best thing for his career is playing behind LeBron James for a year and that's what that's wait till he gets to the other side of a year behind one of the greatest ever and you know LeBron has a Gordon Hayward injury in the first quarter of opening yeah. night. And then out comes R.J. Barrett. Now, I will give R.J. Barrett credit, has had significantly more success in his career than Zach Wilson. So that, I was about to say, I'm hard on R.J. Barrett, there. but yeah, um, he's better than Zach Wilson. Yeah, and like you want to talk about... Uh, so I had, I had two Knicks comps that I don't even think they're good, but it's the Ewing injury in 99 because it was like you lose one, you lose your captain yeah. in the conference finals, but like you at least got to the conference finals. You got there, yeah the Porzingis injury because of how final that became, but we didn't know it at the time. Uh, different. Cause he was so young and that yeah. was like, well, it was similar in this sense. It was like you lost something before it ever really started. Mm -hmm. Um, because he had been an all-star earlier that year and like he had arrived. Right. And then almost as soon as he arrived, he got taken away. Yeah. Um, that's, you know what? In spirit, even though one guy is was is thirty nine, and the other guy was twenty one. I think was twenty one. Um, in spirit, they're actually not dissimilar. They really aren't, because um, the Knicks had been through a lot of bad, and then they got Porzingis, and then for a few years it was like, don't worry, everybody, we got Porzingis. It's okay. Like this summer, it was like we got Rogers. It's gonna be okay. But you, but here, but here's the other thing. As you just said, there's so much else to be happy about and excited about for the rest of the team. It's just, it's the NFL. You need the quarterback and it, it's the most important thing that you, you still need. Yeah. And look, if I could just, the only New York comp that I could think of as far as has anything like this ever happened before, mm. you know, you know when it's happened before, John, when can I give you a history lesson? Sure. So 1998, the New York uh -huh. Jets trade for a quarterback named Vinny Testaverde. Jets go 12 and four. They're the two seed in the AFC. They host a playoff game and they play the Denver Broncos. John Elway, Terrell Davis, all these Hall of Famers, Shannon Sharp on a 14 and two team that started 13 and 0. They go to Denver for the championship game. They're up 10 nothing in the second half. Broncos score 23 unanswered, en route to their second straight Super Bowl. John Elway retires at the end of the year. Terrell Davis retires at the end of the year. Shannon Sharp gets traded to Baltimore. The Jets go into 1999 with their exact same roster and everybody, the, the exact same type of hype. This yeah. is the Jets year. It was billed as our year. Second quarter of week one, Vinny Testaverde fumbles the ball, dives for it, tears his Achilles on the giant stadium turf 
and it's Ray Lucas and Tom Tupa for the rest of the season. Jets go eight and eight. Vinny's never the same. They haven't like had that type of hype until this year. And if I can just tempting the football gods, you know who who did the coin toss last night at MetLife Stadium? Oh, Vinny Testaverde. They brought him back (laughs) and then four snaps by the Jets later, the exact same injury to an exact similar situation in that we had a ton of hype around this team and now it's gone. At least it didn't happen in the World Baseball Classic. So that's the thing I was going to ask you, like, is the fact that Edwin Diaz getting hurt before the season and Aaron Rodgers getting hurt like this early in the season. So like the hope can die now. Is that a better scenario Gosh. than like they're good? He's good. They go 13 and four, win two playoff games. They get to the Super Bowl and then four snaps into the Super Bowl. This happens. Is uh, it better that the hope is extinguished now? I'd rather have the the 13 and four and the two, the two playoff wins. All I can think of right now is things usually come in threes in life. And I really hope that rule gets broken because I so here's where I'll give you I'll solace say. here's where I will give you solace okay I, the Yankees have a young stud named Jason oh I know Lee. that no I, I know that there's that, your that third as far as the New York thing is concerned oh. Edwin Diaz goes down Jason Dominguez goes down Aaron Rodgers goes down yeah I know so you're, we've got it all out the way as far as my teams are concerned I'm not even a Knicks fan anymore basketball gods like don't touch any of my players. You're you wasting your time. You're at him. You know? All right. Well, this was cathartic. Uh, and I'm not even a Jet fan, I'm, I, but it felt cathartic. Would um, you say that this was um, the like a personal injury report? <laughs> like, could, is it possible that if, if, if Aaron Rodgers wanted to, he could go to the fine folks at Weiss and Rosenblum. I got to tell you, Aaron <laughs> Rodgers should go to the fine folks at Weiss and Rosenblum. Okay. Uh, yeah. Shout out to uh, Barry Weiss. I uh, hope everybody enjoyed the pod with him last week. But yes, this is the return, the unofficial return uh, of the personal injury report. If you have a personal injury matter like Aaron Rodgers did on the field at Life Stadium um, on Monday night, Give a call to our friends at Weiss and Rosenblum, 212-366-6100, or visit weissandrosenblum.com for more information. Um, no case is too big or too small. Of course, this is this would be a bigger case. I think that, that, to me, we have the Knicks suing the Raptors. I think the only way to one-up that would be for Aaron Rodgers to sue MetLife. MetLife. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, and I, I, I'm sure... Uh, Bison Rosenblum would would represent him for that. Um, so yes, personal injury report. We hope that this is uh, the last personal injury report for some time of this level of severity. But had to do it. Um, and on that note, without further ado, here's my conversation with John Schmil. Joining me now on the Knicks Film School podcast, good friend of the program. Uh, this is. Officially, his busy time of year. So we are very appreciative of the fact that he took some time out of his busy schedule uh, in which he covers one of the two football teams here in New York. I don't know if they're the football team in better shape or worse shape. We'll get into that later. But first, we have some basketball to talk about because I know this guy wants to talk a little basketball. Uh, John Schmilk, he covers the Giants. Uh, How are you, sir? 
Anything not to talk about that 40 to nothing loss on Sunday night, John? How are you? I'll talk about anything you want. <laughs> I'm I'm sure like is that what we'll get to more Giants later, but just briefly, is that one of those games that as it's happening, you're already thinking of all the agita that you're going to need to go through because of just like how many angry people are going to be in response to that game? Oh, yeah. I mean, the best part is that my new gig this year is I'm hosting the pre and post game show on the fan. So I got to take phone calls for two hours after that game. The first time it was wonderful. It was a lot of fun. (laughs) Let me tell you. (laughs) I'm sitting there. I'm like, wow, this is really going to be the first time out, guys. Really? Thanks. (laughs) They they wanted to make it memorable for you. Uh, Man, I yeah, I don't know that there's a. Uh, we it's funny we we just got done talking about the the Rogers uh, injury during the intro. I and if there was like a comp for for that throughout Nick's history, I don't know that there's a that there's a comp for a. I'm trying to think of like a Nick season opener where they were supposed to be really good and they came out and were absolutely deplorable. I guess. I mean the 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 start of the season after they didn't get. KD and Kyrie, where there was still like some excitement in some segments of the fan base, and then they came out and looked like a team that didn't know how to play basketball. But that's not really the same. Yeah, I mean, I would say maybe I think it was opening night. Did Antonio McDice after that big trade tear up his knee on opening night? I, when, was it? I think that was preseason. Andrew will correct me. It might have been preseason. Either pre-season. way, big, was, big trade, yeah, big addition. Like first time at the Garden, he tears up his knee. That's not bad. I still remember him walking off, slamming the scores table. Right. That's and that was like, all right, the Scott Layden tenure is officially a disaster. Let's, uh, let's I, move on. Thank you. My God, the Scott Layden tenure. Uh, Sadly, you- by the way, not the worst tenure in the last no. 20 years for the record. Listen, <laughs> I put a lot of thought into those rankings. Uh, you could name any bad GM you want. Isaiah Thomas reigns supreme. Okay, we are already off the rails. Uh, the assignment tonight, uh, and I don't think we're going to get through both of our respective lists, but I said... Come up with three things you're excited about for the Knicks this season. Come up with three things you're worried about. It's funny. I gave you this assignment. And then as soon as I gave it to you, I started trying to do it myself. And I'm like, man, this is kind of tough. And the reason it was kind of tough for me, and I don't know if you feel the same way, is there are players that I am excited about that I am also a little worried about. Um, And I, I feel like I don't know that there's any one player that I have like with maybe one or two exceptions that I have supreme confidence in that I'm like nothing but excitement that I don't think anything could go wrong. And just like uh, on the flip side, I don't think that there's anybody that I'm like very, very worried about, but that I don't have any optimism about. I have optimism about everybody on the team. Um, So I'll just throw it to you. I I mean, give me, give me someone from one of your lists. How, How, what do you got? Is it wrong that a lot of my stuff has nothing to do with the stuff going on on the floor? I don't know. So my worried list actually is off is some, uh, I don't know about off court, but it's like, I don't have any players explicitly on my worry list. So give me, give me your first, what is your biggest thing that you're worried about? going? See, and, this and, and, and this is why this was troubling for me because John, I have never been this and this, this will probably come back to bite me. I've never been this confident that oh. I know what this Nick team's going to be than in maybe any year in the last 15 or 20 years. Like, I will say with a lot of surety that this team's going to win win somewhere between, I don't know, what, 46 and 52 games? I feel really. Pretty, I feel pretty good about that. I do. I mean, they bring back basically the same roster as last year. We know Jalen Brunson's really good. 
Uh, they have good young players that are improving. Like, unless there's serious injuries, and look, we can't predict those. I'm not going to predict those. Why wouldn't this team be in that area again and be somewhere around the fifth, the fourth, to the sixth seed in the Eastern Conference? I feel extremely confident about this. So, like, it's it's unless there's big injuries, I just don't see how it's going to you know vary from that. I mean, who's more consistent than Tom Thibodeau? I mean, you know what he's going to do. Uh, you you feel good about the player, so I I feel it's odd. And you know me, I'm always the one. No, you know, I know. I, I worry about stuff. I'm like this speechless. Is, to me, I, I feel good about it. I really do. So forty six to fifty two. That range is a little high for me. It's a little high, and yes, I know fifty three win pace after they got Josh Hart. Um, that's totally legit. If you even want to go back further and you want to throw out the 10 and 13 start, a lot of Fournier in there, a lot of uh, Cam Reddish in there. Like there are absolutely reasons to believe that there is a season that will contain 50 wins or close to it coming up. But there is also, and I, I don't know if you want to call this the the glass half empty guy. I don't know if you want to call this the Knicks fan PTSD, Knicks PTSD guy. But like, I am still looking at a roster and like everybody, you know, all these stupid media sites are putting out their top 20 list or top 25 list. Knicks don't have anyone on that list, John. You know, I mean, we love, I love Jalen Brunson. You love Jalen Brunson. We all love Jalen Brunson. But he, he is their best player and Jalen Brunson is, is, is not in that upper, upper, upper echelon. So I always just naturally get worried if you don't have one of those guys, the capital T, those guys to anchor you, you know, through a tough season. And then as I say that, you look at a lot of teams that do have those quote unquote, those guys, and then they, they do struggle. So I, I don't know. I don't know where that leaves me. I, I guess if my, my personal range is more like 41 to 50, 41 to 49, 42 to 49, I'm a little bit lower than you. No, look, and that's fair. I, I get where you're coming from, and I'm surprised, though, given you're now the preeminent Julius Randle defender on on the on the Knicks social media at, <laughs> at podcast circuit. I mean, the the way the tables have turned on that, I, I've really enjoyed that over the summer, John. I I, I have to say, he is well. Okay, so I'll go to my list. He was number three for me on the things that I am most excited about, which is, and I shouldn't even say him explicitly. It was a tie. And you'll never guess who he's tied with. Someone that I have taken some, 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 maybe a little bit of pleasure in being, I feel like being right about over the RJ? last. Yeah. Okay. RJ and Randall to me, I have a clear top two things that I'm most excited about for this team. And you kind of implied one of them before, but after those two, I mean, look, I love Quentin Grimes, love Mitchell Robinson, love Emmanuel quickly, love Josh Hart. Very excited for Josh Hart. I think there is a world where both Julius Randle and RJ Barrett can come into the season and be, well, let me start with RJ. Is it fair to say it would be actually kind of easy for him to come in and have the best year of his career just because of what we're, what we'd be comparing to? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah so sure. that's the reason I'm a little excited or more excited about him. And then with Randall, I mean, it this sounds weird to say about a guy who just made all NBA third team and then, two years earlier, made all NBA second team. But like, I feel like maybe there is a level of completeness to his game that is still out there. Now I understand, as I say that 
the last time he had a very good year, he followed it up with a year that all of us wanted to trade him. But I don't know. I, I'm, I'm maybe I'm drinking the Brunson Kool Aid. I don't know what it is, but I feel like maybe we're gonna see the best version of Julius Randle. Maybe not that's going to result in all NBA or particular stats, but in terms of a guy that we are, are going to feel more confident in on a night to night basis. How about that? Yeah, look, I look, and I'm, I've become a Julius Randle defender too, because I think Nick fans are just off their rocker and how they criticize the guy compared to how they talk about other guys in the team. I just think it's crazy. Look, he has his faults. He's not a, you know, he's not a guy that's going to be the best or second best team player on a championship team. No. I agree with all that, but respect the guy for what he's doing for you being in a fairly efficient 25 and 10 and four guy. I mean, it's just, you can't throw those numbers away. It's like, Oh yeah, you just put Obi top in there. It'll give you the same thing. Not a problem Run the offense through Obi. I mean, guys, come on, like just stop. But it's funny. Randall would probably be on the top of the things I'm worried about list. And let okay. me explain why. Not because I don't think he's gonna have a good year. I do, but have any of us really figured out Julius Randall yet? Like, John, what the hell happened in 2021 into 2022? I don't know. Do you know what happened? I, I, I have theories. <laughs> yeah, so do I. Like, he's not sleeping because his new newborn's keeping him awake at night. Like, these are the cockamamie theories Nick fans have had to develop to explain 21-22. So how the hell, if we can't explain that, how am I supposed to know for sure that's not going to happen again? Like, it could just come out of left field. I have no idea. So that to me is always a possibility. You get the Julius Randle implosion and it just gets worse and worse and worse and worse. And it just goes to hell again. I don't now. for the record. I do not think that's going to happen. I actually think he's going to your point. I think he's gonna have a good year, but I can't rule out that possibility. And of all the things I'm sure about, if there's one thing that I think could send this season South and have them finish under 500, it would be the Julius Randle implosion. So the interesting thing about that is I think Look, I, I don't want to say any anybody out there was, was ever rooting for Julius Randle to do bad. Oh, there are but, those out there, by the way. Well, I was trying to be kind. Uh, you, you tell it like it is more than I do. Uh, but like the fact that the guy you just mentioned, Obi Toppin, was here, there was always this, I think, attitude among some Nick fans, at least, that like, hey, if Randall does bad, well, that, you know, there's a silver lining to that because that opens the door for Obi, right? Obi walks in, Obi gets more minutes, this and that and the other thing. And that's what was one of the things that was so frustrating about two years ago is that didn't really happen. They you know, yeah. kids kept going to Randall. Um, Agreed. This year, if Randall like is struggles or anything, it's like, well, then you're. I mean, there isn't an obvious backup. So, and and I guess that could lead to another concern, which is like the backup four. That's actually not on my list. Let me ask you, is the backup four on your list? It's not on mine. Not on mine either. Josh Hart, RJ Barrett, take your pick. Very comfortable with either one of them. Don't worry yes. about it for a second. I mean, what? But all of a sudden, these power forwards on other teams are going to start posting up RJ Barrett. Yeah. Good luck. Have fun. I don't care. Yeah, well, again, this isn't FIBA. Like, post up is still dead in the NBA. It's you know, so I'm I'm not worried about that. It you know, the the only thing, the last thing I'll say about Randall in regards to his implosion, not last year, the year before, was like I really do think, you know, and you you've been in so many locker rooms. I know covering football, but like I I wonder if you could attest to like when of when the vibe goes bad, I, that I feel like that could be really and I that to me seems like what happened with bringing in Kemba, bringing in Fortier, telling Julius, you got to change your game. You got to accommodate these guys and him turn around and be like, man, I just made all NBA 
And like, you're going to ask me to like now defer to like, I think that's what set that season off and it got him in a bad headspace. And I, the reason I'm so hopeful coming into this year is because now maybe for the first time, there's no adjustment for Randall. He gets to come back and play with the exact same group. And by the way, if you're a conspiracy theorist and saying, well, was Obi topping the fact that Obi was here getting in his head. Now Obi's gone. So now there's no, right. Can't that be a possible thing? Yeah. Look, one thing that I <clears throat> remember when Odell played for the giants, right? I was in the locker room every day with Odell Beckham, and there was a section of the fan base that could not stand his antics. Right. There was another section of the fan base that loved him and couldn't get enough. of him. I think it was kind of, it was probably split more down the middle than what the Randall thing is. Or I think it's more probably like 75, 25 or people that don't like him, or at least of the hardcore sicko Nick Twitter fans, which we're all a part of. We love it you guys. It feels like it's a one of It does. Okay. Yeah. So, but in the locker room, Odo Beckham's juniors teammates love that dude. Like they love that dude. And look, I'll be honest with you. And I've said this on our program. He rubbed me the wrong way sometimes. And I was frankly, at the end, I'm like, I'm just tired of having to go in there, stick a mic in front of him in his locker. And have him talking about the last thing he said to, you know, Josina Anderson on ESPN. And I was just don't, I was just tired of dealing with it. And it was one of those deals where I'm like, you know what? I've had enough. And that's how I felt about it. But his teammates loved him, loved him, John. And I think that's what fans don't realize with Julius. His teammates do generally seem to like him. And I know and respect fans get tired game. of watching him on the court. You know, the, the, the frustration, the yelling, the thing with quickly last year, I get it, not getting back on defense. And it frustrates me too. You know, when you see him, you know, put his head down after a turnover, a bad shot and not run back, that bothers me. I, it really does. I don't like it. As someone that grew up watching the 90s Knicks, it, it annoys the hell out of me. Yeah. But I think his teammates genuinely like him. I think they think he's a good guy. I think he's a leader. So I just think that's a misconception that's out there that I understand why fans don't understand it. They're not in the locker room every day. I'm not in the locker room every day. But there's nothing I've seen or I've seen reported that would make me believe that he is disliked. And I do think that matters. I think what I'm pretty sure it was grind I, again, Twitter, anything on Twitter, just it, it all flitters together in my mind, but there was something where Grimes was given an interview or, um, and he said something like, like you, you got to start appreciating Julius Randall or something to that effect. It was Grimes. Right? It was absolutely. Yeah. Grimes. Yep. And, and I bet you, and I think that sentiment is, and other, other reporters who cover the team full time have spoken to that concept as, as well. That's, that's a good thing to point out. I'm going to give you another one of mine because it, it two things tie together. So number two on my excited list is the depth. But number two, and I'll get to my number one in a bit. Number two on my worries list is the minutes. And um, there are not enough minutes for everybody, if everybody's healthy, where everybody's going to be happy, like yeah. genuinely feeling good about the minutes they're getting. But like they have great depth and I feel like they could sustain. Honestly, this team and I, I'm not wishing injury on anyone. I legitimately think this team could sustain two injuries to to its top nine. Right. Um, th obviously, certain guys impact more than other. Like if Jalen Brunson goes down, it's a big deal. Mitchell Robinson, you know, because then Sims has to step up and it gets into the whole thing. So, like, we could talk about, like, which guys are more indispensable than others. But I think as a general concept, if you took two guys out of their what we think is going to be their nightmare rotation right now, that leaves seven. And then you still got Deuce McBride there. 
that could step in and play 10 to 15 serviceable minutes a night. I, re- I really, I, you could, again, the concept of like who has the best depth in the NBA, like, you know, how much does like your best player have to do with like how good your depth is or your second best player? There is, but like in terms of really truly going 10, 10, if you want to throw in Sims 11 deep, I, I think, I just think that that is going to raise their floor because you mentioned injuries before. Even if they do suffer an injury or two, I think they're going to be able to withstand it. And that's why I'm confident about the record the way I am, John, to be honest okay. with you, because they can because they can withstand injury. So even if they lose again, Brunson's and Randall are the two guys I think would be an exception. And I think to an extent, Mitchell and Robinson, I hear what you're saying. You know, I think they can withstand, you know, mm-hmm. RJ Barrett misses 40 games this year. That wouldn't even make me reduce their win total. I, I gotta be honest. Why do you, with why do you hate Rhymes, Barrett, please? Just 15 more minutes. I know. I hate him. Uh, and Josh Hart plays more minutes. Like it's okay, cool. Quickly more minutes. I'm I'm good with that too. So like, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm with you hundred percent on that. I'm with you. Um, and you know, the one thing that I'm kind of excited about, to be honest with you is Quentin Grimes. I think he has more to give. Really? You know, I don't think he's just a three and D guy. I think he has a chance to be more. I've seen enough or I think he can shoot off of movement kind of like JJ Redick. And I know Redick's worked with him a little bit in the off season. So I think if, I think if you can use him in that way, and I think if you go back through Thibodeau's history, he's had players that have done that. And I think he'll know how to use a player that way. And I think if his handle gets a lot, a little bit better. And I think that's kind of what's holding him back a little bit in this regard. I think he can run pick and roll. Look, he's got a quick first step. He can drive and dish. I think there's more room for Quentin Grimes to grow. Now he's never going to be an all-star. He's never going to be an all NBA guy. I agree. None of that. But I think he can be three and D plus. And I think I'm not sure that's going to happen with this group because I don't think there's enough usage right now to go around with Barrett and Randall and, and Brunson and all those guys. But I do think I'm excited to see how Grimes can develop his game a little bit and maybe become more than what fans think he can become. To the point where I think we're, I'm already kind of there, and I know other fans aren't. I think by the end of the year, we might be calling him the third most valuable player on the team after Randall and Clubson. I want to talk about Grimes for a sec. So, a couple of things. I looked this up the other day, and I'm just confirming to make sure I didn't get this wrong. Yeah. Quentin Grimes has not yet played 3,000 NBA minutes, and he's had 117 career games. That's it. Um, he hasn't even taken a thousand field goals, uh, attempted a thousand field goals in the league. Like, and like, I, I get he was a three year college player, but I feel like because of his unique journey, obviously going to Kansas and then that did not work out at all. And then transferred to, to Houston and kind of reinvented himself, like in the midst no, of. He did. It, Absolutely. It, yeah. Like, we almost have to treat him. Like a player who's younger than he is, who's like doesn't who doesn't have the pedigree that that he does, even though he does have that pedigree. He was a top ten recruit, you know, the whole thing. And so that part of it, all of that fascinates me. The thing with Grimes, and you you touched on it, we assume he's gonna start, right? I want him to start. I think most of the fans want him to start. I you know, I know there's maybe some thought that maybe DiVincenzo could step in. If he starts alongside these other three guys, Brunson, Randall, and RJ, like those dudes all carry a 25 usage rate and usually a little higher than that. It's there's just, I don't think the opportunities are going to be there for him to show stuff, which then makes me think, like, okay, well, 
you know, maybe a little bit more Mexican matching, maybe Quentin Grimes with the second unit where he maybe maybe he gets to play a little bit of the role that RJ played last year where RJ was looked at, to, you know, to kind of lead that second unit along with quickly. But then I go back to Thibodeau, who I love, as everybody knows, I love Tom Thibodeau. He's not the sort of guy to to, to be, you know, going willy nilly with, with the with the rotations. He likes to have, his, you know, a first five and like with a little bit of interspersing. So I just don't know if it's going to happen for Grimes now. Now, maybe we see the signs of it and, and we're all collectively like, oh, they just once they make a trade, this guy's it's on. I Maybe that's the hope for me at this point, because I, ju- I just don't think the usage is going to be there, you know? Well, let me ask you this question, and I'm going to set you up now to get all the why do you hear uh, Barrett questions. Why do you? Why do I have you on this? Sh- I, I, it's just I know it's coming every time, and we keep asking you. Come on. No, yeah. no, 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 no. This is an honest question. Um, oh, I'm sure at, it is. At what at what point do the Knicks say if they see enough in practice and the preseason or whatever that maybe we need to pull back RJ's usage rate a little bit and divvy that out more to quickly, divvy that out more to Grimes? Can they do that given the contract they've given them in the locker room? Is that even possible given the chemistry dynamics of the roster is that something they even could contemplate i'm not sure it is to be honest with you which is why i'm asking you the question i don't man we just watched did you watch any of fiba it's okay i i watched i i actually watched like the the last half of the game the they lost to germany the u.s like i did not watch any canada fiba so i watched it i've actually probably watched more canada fiba than i did American because like the early games like I kind of knew what was coming with with uh, US and I did find it funny by the way I saw a bunch of RJ tweets after he had that first good game yet didn't see many when he had the one for ten games <laughs> the game later funny how that works just saying so like it was funny I was uh, let me get my my drink I was listening to the little post wrap up of of um with, of Team Canada and he had um someone from the Sporting News on who covers the Raptors but also Canada. Um, Canada basketball, and they got to to RJ. Michael Green, right? I think is his name. Is that yes, his yes, name? yes. Yeah. Thank you. He's Thank very good. You. Yes, yeah. excellent. Yeah, he's all over it. He knows his stuff. And and this is the Canadian reporter who was like again drinking the Canadian Kool Aid. Could not gush enough about SGA and and uh, Dylan Brooks. And they were talking about Nik- Nikhil Alexander Walker. And then they got to RJ, and he's like, honestly, I know RJ put up nice numbers, but like he was kind of disappointing to me in this tournament and you know, it, and then Zach kind of pointed out how like, there's a lot of people, even amongst the Knicks fan base who were just like, there's something about him that leaves you wanting a little bit more. And like the thing with RJ and the reason I brought up FIBA is he's always going to get his shots. Like it doesn't matter who he's on the team with. Like how many, t- how right. many times, how many times did he lead team Canada in shot attempts? And this is a team with Shakespeare Alexander on it, you know? It's like, but 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 to me, that is in some ways the reason why so many people believe in RJ, because he has this undying, unrelenting confidence in in his ability. So if you're asking me, like, is there a world where RJ's putting up like 12 shots a game? Nope. nope. I don't think I don't I see think it. That's fair. Hey, look, and I'll just say this. I think we I think and I think we're both on the same page with this, and this is my disclaimer. We both think RJ can be a really good NBA player. I Absolutely. Mean, if, if he embraces the things that he could be really good at, if he cared about them more, uh, I think, you know, be an awesome rebounder, be a really top level defender. I mean, he could be yes. a really, really good and important NBA player. Um, 
and my thing with RJ has been the same thing from the beginning. He does not have the burst, speed, quickness off the dribble, and the lift to finish in the half court to be an efficient finisher at the basket. You know, there's just too many difficult attempts because of his lack of separation and athleticism. And we've seen streaks where he finishes really well, right? I think he, you know, probably yes. faces some poor defensive team in those stretches. And maybe, you know, it's it's just, you know, it's short sample sizes. Things are weird. So the way R.J. Barrett becomes a really good NBA player is very simple. He has to become a really, really good shooter. Thank because you. the more teams respect his jumper, people have to play up on him tighter. Then he doesn't need to be an elite athlete to get around them because they have to respect his jump shot a little bit more. And it's been the same story since he came in the league. And we haven't seen any or not enough. Improvement on the jump shot. I mean, however you want to phrase it, he shot thirty point whatever. You know, from I mean, yeah, and I don't care about the shooting off the dribble either. By the way, like I don't at this point though, just just catch and shoot better. Like I don't need you to be shoots. shooting off the dribble. Just catch and shoot better. That's I, all I need you to do. And if he can just do, that's his path. Unless he fit becomes a significantly better shooter, and since we haven't seen any improvement in that area, really, I, I don't feel great about that. I hope I'm proven wrong. Because that's the way RJ becomes what RJ Barrett wants um, to be is becoming a really good shooter. And he's got at this point, John, we're going in year five now. He's got to show me a little bit of something that he can do it in a non-COVID year when there's nobody in the stands. Like he just I need to see that from him. I'm hopeful. I'm hopeful for the shooting this year. I'm hopeful. Not yeah. I don't know if I'm that's hopeful him. too. And look, Confident. it's not impossible. I don't think he's got the smoothest shot. It doesn't look great watching it, but look. You can improve shooting by working and he's a worker. He's a good kid. I like RJ as a dude. I hope he succeeds, but I'm at the point where he has to, he has to prove it to me. And until he shows me, he can be a shooter that other teams respect and or fear. Then I'm just not going to buy in. You know, you even start, I mean, how many, the heat would literally do leave him like now with no one. Well, twenty feet of them. So I know you, you maybe actually no. If you said you watched a little bit of the U.S. Canada game, you might have seen this. There was a moment in the fourth quarter of the game. It was, it was funny enough. It was actually Josh Hart, who I think was either I think was covering R.J. It was his uh, it was his man in the corner, and then somebody had to switch off another shooter, and Canada uh, and the U.S. Uh, Hart came over to the shooter that the other defender had left, and the, Canada just they just let. They left RJ wide open, knowing that the ball was going to swing to him. He was going to wide open shot. And they're like, here, take it. And he and he breaked it. Now, later in the game, he hit the dagger. And it was the game that it was the it was the shot that sent the US home without a medal. So, like again, like give give RJ that. Like he he keeps he, he takes him with confidence and he No, he himself, dude. The, you will never say RJ does not believe in himself. He does. That dude, he has all the confidence in the world. He's never shaken. Yep. Moments don't don't mess with him. He's and there's really value to that. There's real value to that, and I think that's important. I want to say one more thing, John, before we get into football stuff. Yes. And this is worry and excitement. It, it, it covers both columns. What's the next move? Because really, as, as, as good as I feel about this Knicks team, and I do, I think they're going to be a good basketball team. Don't look at me that way. <laughs> we had this conversation, John, we had this conversation last year. <laughs> I had the year before. I had the year before. I the year before. We're gonna, Look, because we, we just, how many more years? You, know, you never know when it's going to come up. You never know who it's going to be. And you're excited because you think you can finally become a championship contender. And you're scared because you could blow your one shot and set the franchise back. So well, that's why it's both the thing I'm most excited about and the thing I'm most worried about. 
You know, because if they make the big move and they wind up with the Carl Anthony Towns, I'm going to walk off to my roof and jump. No, if they, I, if they, and I so don't think they're going to do that, by the way. I don't. I, but if they, you know, if they wait and Giannis or Luca somehow decides they want out and you can figure that out, then my God, it's like the best day in my life, literally. My life as a Nick fan, that would probably be the best day in my life as a Nick fan, which is pretty sad, but that's where we would be. <laughs> Unless... Unless they know something bad, unless they know that bad news is coming. I'm I'm speaking about the Giannis front. Yeah. Unless they've already been told through whatever channels that you have, you're you're out. You have no chance. Which I I don't think they have. And I I feel like there's already been a little reporting. Like they're they're they they're, they maybe feel like they're that not that it's been explicitly reported that they feel like they're in it, but that they've been monitoring. Or I think Mark Stein reported that. I think that sealed the deal that we're not, it doesn't matter who becomes available via trade. So Timberwolves start out two and 30 and they're like, we're, we're blowing it up. Everybody except Edwards. I don't think they're going to make a move in season. I think they're going to wait it out. And I think e- gonna- even if it's like Embiid or Mitchell. So the, uh, honestly, the Mitchell thing is interesting to me. The Mitchell thing is weird because it's hovering over all this because it's like now all of a sudden we went from Mitchell being their number one target to all of a sudden now Mitchell's pretty clearly the number three target after Giannis and Embiid. And like, how does that work out? Like if he does become like what you just said, if like, let's say the Cavs, I don't think the Cavs are going to struggle. So I don't think it's a realistic thing. But like, let's just say they did. Would they make that play in the middle of the season? I, I really believe this. I think because Giannis said what he said. I think they're taking it to to next off season to see what happens then, and then uh, and then you know and to me the more interesting question is what if things I mean we're all waiting for it what if things just go absolutely batshit crazy in Philadelphia I, and and I'm gonna say or Dallas I, I I'm, I'm a believer I don't think it's out of the question that Dallas completely implodes <laughs> I I'm a little higher on Dallas than that I I think Dallas can be okay Philly's the one where you just don't know and that's that's what's fascinating. And look, and, and I'm not as all, all in on Embiid as you are. Um, That's I fine. wouldn't be, I wouldn't be upset by the move, but I would be like, look, you have to do this. But I have legitimate concerns for trading for a 30 year old center that has never managed to stay healthy through a playoff run. And I have scars of guys not staying healthy through playoff runs. And is it fair to Embiid? No, but there are just some guys, John, like Chris Paul, like he just cannot stay healthy in the playoffs. Like it's just. It's weird. I can't explain it, but there are just guys that can't make it for whatever reason. And it just happens. And I'm afraid that Embiid might be one of those guys. And I've always been one. We've had this conversation before. Yeah. I just worried about having your best player be a center. It's just in the modern NBA, it's it's hard. Yeah. Well, unless it's like an Anthony Davis situation where he's got LeBron James next to him, right? Well, but then he's your second best player, isn't he? I don't know. That's becoming an interesting conversation. Who the Lakers' best player? That's it. We'll we'll have a, we'll have a yeah. But here's the thing: if Anthony Davis is the Lakers' best player, do they have any chance of winning a championship? I yeah, well, if LeBron, if LeBron James and Anthony Davis are 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 your, or if you have both of them on your team, I think you have a shot. I'll say that. Well, yes, <laughs> we can, we can agree <laughs> but, on that. Um, and the last thing I'll say, dude, I think yes. I have no no doubt. By the way, that the Knicks resign quickly at some point. Like they oh, they they, yeah. they take care of their own. <laughs> It'll be four years, probably around like what, 100 million, 95 million with incentives, something like that. And I think, I think that'll get done before the season starts. And I feel, I feel good about it. I think it's a guy they should sign. He deserves it. He's earned it. He's a good player. And I'm excited about that too. I'm, I'm, I'm hoping that gets done. 
because I think they're going to take, I I don't, I think they think that they are not going to make a big trade during the season. I think that only incentivizes them further to extend quickly, because if you don't, and then you go try to do some kind of a sign and trade situation next summer, when he's entering restricted free agency, that becomes a lot less or a lot more complicated. If you extend him now means you essentially can't trade him for the next year. You can, but it's very difficult. Um, But once next July 1st hits, he becomes, and I'm not saying that's the only reason you resign him. Everybody just be, be, calm down. But like, it, it is part of the, the calculation. My last, The only two things I want to say, my number one thing I'm most yeah. excited about, shockingly, is, is Brunson. Um, no surprise there. And then my fear is just like, and this is again, Knicks fans, PTSD, uh, regression. Just like, I'm always fearful. And it, it ties into the, like, we don't have one of those like top, top, top guys. I just... You know, if if you if it's two losses in a row or three losses in a row or five losses in six games or something like that, it's like, it, does this team have that steely, you know, whatever it is that holds teams together? Now, granted, last year they were ten and thirteen; they could have let go of the rope. They didn't. So, yeah. And by the way, I think well. Brunson's one of those guys. Is why I'm not worried about that. He's such a steadying that's, presence, and he's, he's so yes. freaking good. And I feel bad for not including him on things I'm excited about because I just feel like he's such a sure thing. Oh, I like think he's he just could, such a steady. Go ahead. I'm sorry. I think he could reach another level. That's why I'm ex- most excited about it. Yeah. I, I wonder about his size and athleticism, holding him back from becoming like the super duper, you know, second team, all NBA type of guy. But look, he's phenomenal. <clears throat> I love Jalen Brunson. I love his game. He's just so crafty, so clever. He's a good shooter. He's good around the basket. He's a good teammate. He's a great dude. I mean, there's just nothing not to love about Jalen Brunson. And look, he's the reason why we're talking about the Knicks the way we are. Because, and yep. look, this is great. We, I mean, we sat here last year and we talked about, you know, here's the problem with the Knicks. You know, they have to figure out a way to acquire two superstars. And it's really impossible to pay full price for two. And they have to figure out a way to get one on the cheap. Well, guess what? They got, they got their superstar on the cheap. And even though he's it. not a top 15 guy or a top 20 guy and, you know, And even though we had a portion of the fan base, a larger portion than a lot of the fan base would like to admit (laughs) that bitch to us about how big that Jalen Brunson contract was last season. That was a freaking bargain. And it is might be right now the best contract in the entire NBA. So they did the hard part. And that's why people that, you know, last year, people were legitimately, John, at 10 to 13, though, they need to get rid of Leon Rose. Like, this is really not working. Oh, it, it was fire everybody. Yeah. And he literally did the hardest thing for an NBA general manager to do. He found a superstar without using a premium draft pick and without trading a ton in a trade. It is the hardest thing to do in probably as being a GM in any sport besides, besides maybe finding a quarterback in the NFL without a topic in the draft. That's hard too. But to find a star that yeah, can but- lead you to the second or third round of the playoffs without having to use a top five pick or trade your whole roster for yeah. that player is freaking impossible. And Leon Rose did that. And yeah, I know familial connections, CAA, all, you know, blah, blah, blah. I don't care. He got it done. Results is what matters. I, I would argue it's harder because we've seen franchise quarterbacks go outside of the top one, two, three picks in yeah. the draft You're right. Yeah. To, to get an NBA 
all all star caliber player. I would argue Brunson is all NBA caliber to get that kind of player after he's already been in the league for a few years and to, and and get that guy on the on just to be able to sign him out right. Period. Forget about the number you sign him at. To sign him at the number you did, it's even more impressive. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Okay, that's a good transition. Yeah. Uh, what was Daniel Jones picked? Let me see if I remember. Was he picked eighth, ninth? Oh, geez, you put him in the spot. If he was second. second. Oh, okay. okay. Mm-hmm. Um, here's what I just. What I'm curious about with the Giants is it, it feels like coming into the year, the sentiment from what I could tell. I'm not on the anywhere near the inside of Giants fandom, but like from what I could tell, just from hearing and, and listening, and this is the only, um, is that. Jones had turned enough of a corner to make it so that, okay, we, we believe like, cause you need the quarterback in the NFL. He turned enough of a corner. Like, okay, we, the other pieces are there. Maybe if everything goes right, we could, we can make a little bit of a run. First of all, is that the case? And two, how much does Sunday night take the, take that and kind of like put it into question? Yeah, that's the belief. And even though his numbers last year did not jump off the page, he was dealing with such poor talent around him at wide receiver that you figured you get better pieces around him, then the passing numbers will get better, right? The rushing numbers, he was a great runner last year. He was a good runner against Dallas on Sunday too. You know, I don't think it should. For one, Dallas is probably has the best or second best defense in football. So I don't think you ever judge somebody when you're pacing at the defense that's that good, to be quite honest with you. And in that particular game, did he play well? No, but he also got sacked seven times. And it's not like he was holding the ball and got sacked seven times. He just got sacked seven times. He got 12 official quarterback hits, but he was probably hit more like 25 times throughout the course of that game. So he did not have much of a chance to succeed. The story of that game on Sunday for me was not Daniel Jones. It was the offensive line not giving him a chance. But I will say this. You give him that contract with the expectation that what he did last year isn't the top floor okay. that there's still still floors to ascend. And I think you want to see him begin ascending those floors this year as a passer specifically, especially as a guy that makes more throws down the field. And I think with the moves they made to bring in Darren Waller and all these other guys speed on the out the outside, all that stuff that he can do that. If he doesn't, then I think that would be a disappointment. Um, the, the head coach got a lot of flowers last year. Yeah. Um, coach of the year, man. 
Can't, can't do much better than that. Little, little t- maybe some Tom Thibodeau vibes for uh, coach of the year this <laughs> first year. Um, he actually has some, believe it or not, John, I made this comparison on our giant show today. He has some Thibodeau in him. He was leaving the starters in at the end of that game. Really? I don't know how many phone calls I got about them leaving Daniel Jovin there for too long. And I'm sitting there. I'm like, oh, my God, I've had this conversation about the Knicks for the last four years. And it sounds so familiar. Well, and I've just internalized it so much. I'm like, yeah, look, that's what coaches do. And it's just like I've seen it too many times. <laughs> but it so it leads to my question, what you just said, because like I think the thought, you know, the thought was that he instilled a real culture there yeah. last year. Um, and is I'm assuming there's optimism that for as much as Sunday night was ugly, they they will be able to withstand that and bounce back. Is that the, the feeling? Yeah, and look, they went through uh they lost three out of four at one point last year. So I think they think that kind of gave them um, okay. you know, prove that they have some metal, but you know, every team every year is different. But and Brian Dable said that by the way, he goes, Look, guys, you know, you don't really know what a team's made of until you, you know, things go bad and you got to bounce back. Now, nobody wanted that to be after week one, but <laughs> that's true, that's just where they're at. So, yeah, yeah, 100%. Okay. Um, you mentioned the offensive line. Is there reason to believe that will get better, uh, moving forward, or is that going to be a question mark all season long? I mean, I think that's a question mark. Uh, they're very young, they have a rookie center, second year right tackle two guards that are veterans, but you know, they're not top players at those positions. So I think that's one of the things you'll be keeping an eye on, especially since, you know, NFL is super heavy into analytics. Now the giants literally, according to the analytics, face the toughest pass defense schedule in the whole NFL. So combined coverage and pass rush. No one has a tougher schedule than the giants. Really? So there might, yeah, there might be some games that look ugly, uh, this week they get Arizona. Who I was are about not to say, talented, yeah. so they should do well in this game. But you know they play in week three, San Francisco 49ers, top three defense in the league. Then they mm. play the Bills, probably top ten defense. Then they play the Dolphins, probably also a top ten defense. So then they play the Eagles twice at the end of the year. So it's going to be a year where the offense is going to have some rough patches that fans aren't going to like. But the NFL is such a league of matchups, even more so than the NBA, in my opinion, that I think you're just going to have to deal with that if you're a giant fan because some of these defenses are just very, very good. Yeah. I, uh, I've, I think I said this on the pod. I, I was, had been a Steeler fan for 20 plus years. And then the last few years as I've been obviously getting more into this, I just, I haven't had the the time or the energy to really follow them. And before the season, I'm like going to get back on the bandwagon. We got, you know, Kenny Pickett got, you know, uh, Pickens, the receiver, you know, no, I, you guys got a good team, but then the 49ers showed up. I was about to say, so I turned on the game and I'm like, man, this is not what I want. <laughs> so yeah. where's Claudio, by the way? He only wants to talk football. Where, where's Andrew? I think Andrew's in his. I think he's. Oh, no, here he is. He emerged from his, his hole of misery. Where's the jet hat? Come on, man. Here's a, here's a Roger jersey. Bond. <laughs> oh, OK. He's got the jet shirt. OK, that counts. I didn't, I didn't uh, see the jet shirt. That that counts. Um, hey, you, hey, you, you won. They won the game you're at, man. I, I realize it's a Pyrrhic victory, but they did win the game. So people heard the intro already. So I don't want to. I don't want to fully rehearse, but or repeat what people heard. Um, here's the thing, John. Giants lost forty to nothing, and you can like I have the Rex Ryan memory of losing forty five to three on Monday Night Football, and then you bury the football. You do something 
something hijinks and you 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 symbolically just literally it's one loss, you're on one. It's, it's still only one loss in the yeah. standings, as painful as it was. It's as painful. It, it, it's as symbolic to lose forty to nothing as it is to lose twenty two sixteen in overtime. Like for the Bills and yep. Giants are in the exact same spot, right? Mm-hmm. What the Jets did is not just like lose the quarterback to like a devastating injury, but the entire framework of this season now changes. I honestly, dude, I, I feel awful Jeff for Jeff. Yeah, I do. I mean, it's, it sucks. It really does. I mean, you guys had a, you guys had a really good team. I mean, and you still, and you still have a really good roster. You do. You have a really and good that's roster. That's what sucks. And that's no, what it sucks. It's Any Jets fan that was like hype or, and, and that I think is the thing that is a lot of Jets fans are props processing today is like so many people that have national platforms were like, I don't see it with this Jets team. They're the Jets. Can they win something first? And every Jets fan was like, I got to tell you, I was watching this team last year. They have so much talent. They just need a quarterback. Mm. And then they got like a guy who won two MVPs back to back two years ago, got his offensive coordinator, got all of his friends. And they were like, okay, like this is what we're going to go to war with. And to see how the game played out, that this looks like a team with a ton of talent that might have gotten better when you add this weapon that they found on special teams in Gibson, and yet they still just need a quarterback. It's uh-huh. it's exactly what we thought it would be. Like and the hype the way, was realized, and it's we're, we're back to square one again. I didn't realize this until a friend of mine who's also a Jeff fan told me this day that was also at the game that they brought Vinny Testaverde out. (laughs) John, I I brought it up in the intro. Like, I'm staring at it it during the coin toss. Like you're bringing Vinny to do the coin toss. Do you think they're going to bring in a veteran or do you, or do you buy the sticking with Zach Wilson vibes? I I don't. So when you look at the schedule, they, they have eight games until the buy or seven games until the buy. So it might be six. I forget when their buy is, but I think they'll give it till the buy and bring in a veteran. My response to the entire conversation is like, does it matter? Like, what's no, the what it veteran? Probably doesn't. I mean, Carson Wentz isn't bringing you anywhere, right? So mm. here's the one. The there's exactly one. I, I have no idea how realistic this scenario is. I can't wait to hear the name that's Joe Namath. Around. No, and no, it's not Tom Brady. First of all, it's Tom Brady's not going to be the, the quarterback of the New York Jets. He owns this. He owns a, a, a ownership stake in the Steelers. So the NFL is not going to let him go own one team and go play for the other. He probably could just go to the NFL and be like, I've owned the Jets for 20 years. I oh. could just play for them. It's OK. You said it, not me. But I digress. Um, so Stafford in L.A., if they decide that they would That's like to one. if they would like to tank this year because they haven't had first round picks. And this is like the first year in a couple of years. If the Jets want to trade this conditional pick that they're getting for that, that they now get back that this first round pick for Rogers, uh, excuse me for Stafford. Is that worth it? You know, you have a guy that just nope. won a super bowl two years ago, proved nope. he can win a super bowl with a loaded roster. I'm not even saying that's what I would want them to do. It's an option that I'd be like, I understand it. You salvage a season. You went all in for to go all in again. Outside of that, Tannenhill doesn't inspire me. Carson Wentz doesn't inspire me. Gardner Minshew. I'm going to throw a name out to you. Doesn't you inspire ready? me. Who? I can't wait. What, who, who I'm going to throw it? a name out to you. Kyler Murray. I wow. thought about that too. What if the Arizona Cardinals are sitting there at 0-8 and, and they're like, dude, we're drafting Caleb Williams. Like, it's, yeah. it's happening. We're doing it. And Kyler's ready to come back from the knee. 
He's a guy that can be your quarterback long term if Aaron decides he's going to retire. It'll maybe cost you maybe one first round pick, maybe, maybe less because you're taking on so much salary. What if it just costs you a second rounder? Is that something you would consider? That's so with that concept where correct me if I'm wrong, like a year ago ish, Kyler Murray was being talked about, or maybe a year and a half ago, Kyler Murray was being talked about as like the next great NFL quarterback. That's where you, my brain breaks a little bit because like if a player of that caliber, okay, let's, okay. Is Zion, if Zion gets put on the trading block tomorrow, he's, he's getting the, 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 you know, New Orleans is demanding the Durant package, you know, or maybe they don't get it, but they're getting something close. It's just so interesting in football how asset valuation and like return on trades. Cause I, I completely agree with you, John. I, I feel like we've seen enough NFL trades over the years to know, like, I bet you they could get him for probably pretty cheap because he makes a lot of money and, and the whole thing. That's fascinating. I, I, I'd understand it if they were to pull the trigger on that. I'm sure you can appreciate as someone who's who the Giants also play their games at MetLife Stadium. I don't want Kyler Mary's knees anywhere near that turf um, and, and what it does to joints and what what players have said. It um, is new turf, by the way. It is brand new turf. They didn't do the stadium. In the words of Brees Hall, it's still turf. We want grass. You know, <laughs> get a certain Unfortunately, point. When, when, when two football teams share the same stadium in the Northeast, if they it's put tough. grass in, it'll be mud in about three yeah. weeks. It's just not going to work. That's very true. That is very true. I also, I don't know. I don't, he's just so much more of an injury risk than, than like, like, like granted, like beggars can't be choosers. If this is a situation that you're in, he would be an upgrade over what we have now. I don't know if it brings back the Super Bowl vibes that I had for two hours leading up to kickoff <laughs> last night and then I, yeah. slowly disappeared I mean, as as MetLife Stadium went you'll, silent. You'll always have those two hours. Uh, John Schmilk, uh, you're the man. I always have so much fun talking to you, man. Uh, have a great season uh, covering the Giants and, and remind folks uh, at home where they could uh, hear you and follow you and all that good stuff. Yeah, look, Giants.com, the Giants mobile app. Uh, we got to, you know, and you can hear me on the radio pre and post game for the Giants on the fan here in New York. And, um, you know, Big Blue Kickoff Live is our daily show, 1230 to 1.30. We take calls from Giant fans live on the app. Check it out. John Settle podcast. We got a bunch of stuff going on. Uh, just check it out on my Twitter feed at Schmelk. That's pretty much all I tweet is all our podcast content. So uh, if you're a giant fan, hopefully you're still excited for the season. You should be. It's just one game uh, and stick with us. Hopefully we'll be as uh, entertaining for you as we were last year. And hopefully yeah. and I think the Knicks will be just as entertaining too, by the way. I'm very excited for the season. I, I, I agree. The Knicks will be entertaining. The Cardinals lost to the commanders last week. I, I, I really hope the giants get this one done. Oh, if, if the Giants sake. don't win this week, John, I I don't know that I don't know what I'm going to do. I, <laughs> I don't know what you're going to do either. I'll be praying. I, I might literally open up the the post game show on Sunday if the Giants lose to the Cardinals. Talking R.J. Barrett, I, I, <laughs> I, I think that's my plan. <laughs> oh, Godspeed, John Schmilk, ladies and gentlemen. A huge thank you to John Schmilk for coming on today's pod. Um, Funny thing about recording a podcast, sometimes you just like forget to record an outro. And it's something I forgot to remind John to do uh, when we were recording earlier. So you're stuck with me on the outro, folks. Uh, thank you, everybody, for tuning in, as always, especially 
my fellow Jet fans out there who are feeling it today, uh, if you dig the show, if you were able to process any of your emotions or even just found a temporary solace of hearing John and John talk about the Knicks this season, please head on over to iTunes, drop a five-star rating and a review. If you haven't yet, please subscribe to our YouTube channel by searching for Knicks Film School. And a bit of a programming note, later this week, we will be doing a live stream on the YouTube channel. Um, the X's and O's guys, KFS X's and O's, which is what the actual thing they're going to be doing throughout the season is going to be called. But DJ Zulo and Benji Ritholtz will be fielding all of your questions about the New York Knicks, whether it be a reaction to FIBA or players that they may be trading for or whatever you think you want to ask them. Uh, join them on the live stream on Thursday. Super chats are not required. It's going to be at 8 p.m. on Thursday uh, on the KFS YouTube channel. One more time, 8 p.m. Thursday, KFS YouTube channel. Uh, we hope to see you as hope to hear from and see as many of you there i think that'll do it thank you everybody for tuning in to the next film school podcast we'll be back with another one before you know it Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.